أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back everyone to Journey Through the Quran by Ikna Sisters and also welcome to the umpteenth day of quarantine Subhanallah It's been a while and we're not sure how much longer this new normal will carry on but as of now we're experiencing a time of the year that for Muslims is supposed to be the busiest time in terms of community and gatherings and congregational prayers and the whole lot right and yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decided by his infinite power and wisdom that this year this is going to be the nature of our Ramadan and not just Ramadan many of us had planned vacations and graduation parties and family reunions and weddings all around this time and by the will of Allah all of that has been rendered futile because we know that at the end of the day the plan of Allah always prevails over every other plan and in this time the entire world is a witness to the fact that our plans hold no true meaning unless Allah's will passes through it and yet if we had been paying attention Allah shows this to us every single day albeit with subtlety that he is always in control of it all from the beginning till the end and this is the overwhelming message we will see in these surahs in surah naml surah qasas and surah ankabut we will see that the power of Allah and his wisdom in carrying out his ultimate plan how he sees fit and how much in our favor that really is and the moment we accept that fact as believers it should make us humbled and grateful in front of Allah for the realization that we have a lord who takes care of us every step of the way and so our reliance should be completely on Allah in every matter of our life and so obviously we can totally relate to this under the current circumstances but it just goes to show you that you know we have always been truly powerless in front of Allah and had it not been for our iman in our hearts any trouble any test could totally break people you know it could be pe- ruin people's lives and unfortunately it has all become very real in in our current situation people have lost jobs their businesses are in loss people's homes are in jeopardy loved ones have been lost you know we're all experiencing loss all around us and so we should be so humbled and grateful that we have a law who strengthens our hearts with iman and we can look ahead and we are able to move forward after hardship because we know it's all from Allah and honestly this is not to say that we won't feel anxious or overwhelmed sometimes we already established that even the prophets you know went through emotional distress but our faith in Allah will prevent us from becoming so paralyzed in our fear and anxiety you know that inshallah we can pick up ourselves and we can move on right And so this is why you know our constant connection with the Quran is so important because it snaps us out of our state of distress and it reminds us of our purpose and our value to Allah who's always looking out for us. So as we begin surah Naml we see that this surah immediately takes a positive tone as a form of hope for the believer. Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says tilka ayatul kitabim mubin hudan wa bushra lil mu'minin. These are verses of the Quran, the book that makes things clear. a guide and good news for the believers and what kind of believer the one who establishes salah and pays zakah and they firmly believe in the hereafter they have absolute conviction that the akhirah is going to be there to so finally experience relief and justice and reward after passing the difficulties of this temporary world right so a sound believer is motivated by their conviction in the hereafter this is what drives us to move on Everything we experience we know that it comes from Allah and we know that it'll all be accounted for in the akhirah inshallah 
Um, you know, as I was preparing for this recording, I had written elaborate notes and I thought I had everything sorted out until, you know, the next day when I opened up my laptop and I realized that somehow my computer had crashed. And now a major chunk of my notes were completely deleted. So obviously, needless to say, I, I was devastated. This was like precious self-quarantine time away from my kids that was now totally unaccounted for. So, you know, I did what came naturally. I, I shed a few tears, subhanAllah. But I used that moment of vulnerability to seek Allah's help. And subhanAllah, I realized through my first world problem that I was being made to put into practice the very lessons that are being taught in these surahs and that everything happens for a reason, right? And so I thought about, you know, how for a while I had been toiling over how to summarize these these surahs in a coherent manner, you know, because there's so much to be said in in 30 minutes, right? And it was getting so overwhelming. So Allah literally wiped it all away and made it easier for me than I was making it for myself, subhanAllah. So we plan and Allah plans and Allah is always the best of planners. I share this to say that Alhamdulillah, how blessed are we to know that whatever happens, happens for the best. And whatever is lost is never lost with Allah. We have tons of it to look forward to in the Akhirah. You know, my time spent making my notes will surely be accounted for in the Akhirah, even if it's not on my computer anymore, right? The time we spend with our families in lockdown is not time lost away from being productive. This time will count as sadaqah for us if we make the right intentions. You know, this Ramadan we spend at home truly and sincerely seeking Allah's pleasure and forgiveness, it might be better than the one we spend going out and about and traveling back and forth from the masjid. For a mu'min, nothing is purposeless and we accept that everything is done by the will of Allah, right? This acknowledgement itself is crucial, that the will of Allah overtakes every other will. So even when we do plan our own plans, when our plan falls within the bounds of Allah's plan, we think, oh yeah, it all happened because I planned it this or that way. But really, it only happened accordingly because it was already in line with Allah's plan. It's when things don't go our way that we realize, oh, Allah had a different plan. Right, And so what's incredible about that is that this gives believers not just a sense of relief, but a sense of empowerment that someone is always looking out for us. Right, Like, you know, they have those second set of brakes on the passenger side for student driver cars. We know that someone who has more experience will hit the brake if we end up missing the chance. Right, And for Allah is the best of examples. But this safety valve that Allah is always looking out for us and planning in our favor all of the time. And we saw that in the previous just the attributes uh, Al-Azizul Rahim were repeated multiple times, right? In this surah, Allah SWT highlights his names Hakim and Alim, the most wise and the most knowledgeable. So if things don't go according to my plan, I should know that the one who is the most wise, the one that know, who knows everything, has planned it for me. And so Alhamdulillah, we've been saved from the weakness of our own selves. You know, and there's a beautiful dua of the Prophet ﷺ. Actually, the, the one he taught to Fatma anha, his daughter, he told her to say it in the morning and the evening. It says, Oh Allah, it is your mercy that I hope for. So do not leave me in charge of my affairs, even for a blink of an eye. And rectify for me all of my affairs. None has the right to be worshipped except you. 
Subhanallah, it's a beautiful dua to memorize and keep in mind when we're experiencing difficulty, inshallah. But as we continue in Surah Namal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reassures us of his mercy when he's speaking to Musa alayhi salam at the top of the mountain. And he has told Musa alayhi salam to throw down his staff. And when the staff turns into a snake, Musa alayhi salam gets terrified and he starts to run away. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in ayah number 10, O Musa, do not be afraid. My Rasul should not be afraid in my presence, except that person who is guilty of doing something wrong and if he replaces that wrongdoing with with a good deed i am for sure forgiving and merciful you know scholars say the second part of the ayah is referring to general people meaning that no one should be afraid of allah except those who have done something wrong and even then the moment they rectify their behavior and see for seek forgiveness allah SWT says that's all you need to qualify for for my forgiveness and then there's nothing to be scared about in fact know that allah is looking after you even if things seem to be completely out of your control subhanallah and this is one of the greatest favors of allah on the believers it's that we are never left in a state of complete despair allah takes care of us he gives us hope he intervenes when we need him to give strength to our hearts and even when we make a mistake we have the option to turn around and we will find allah most forgiving and that alone should lead us to become humble and thankful for having such an awesomely merciful lord Right. And, you know, following that same tone, the mention of the favors of Allah is a predominant theme in the surah where Allah SWT discloses his favors that he bestowed on Sulaiman alayhi salam. So Sulaiman was granted some of the most unique and unprecedented blessings of Allah. I mean, he had an entire army of birds. Can you imagine? So he commands an actual air force and then he has an army of jinns too. So some invisible warriors for backup and then also an army of humans for good measure. Meaning he has legions of soldiers under his command and with that, the ability to communicate with these creatures too. This is what we call superpowers, right? Nowadays, we marvel at like Superman and Spider-Man or we see a mom holding a child with one hand and stirring a pot of biryani with the other hand and she's called a super mom. You know, clearly we've been underestimating the meaning of super until you hear about Suleiman alayhi salam. Yani he heard a tiny little ant talking to her community while he was leading his huge marching army. You know, sometimes we can't even hear ourselves over our kids, right? But Sulaiman heard the ant by the will of Allah. And when he hears and understand what the ant, understands what the ant was saying, what is his response? He smiles and he says, Oh Allah, inspire me to thank you for these favors. These powers are so amazing. And I know no one other than you have given them to me. So show me more ways to be grateful to you. And inspire me to do good deeds that you are pleased with. Meaning, let me be sincere in my good deeds. Let me do good to not to make myself feel more superior, but to make you happy. And this was really Sulaiman Alayhisam's actual superpower. Knowing and attributing every capability of his to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so naturally too. And we see that in the da'wah that he made to the Queen of Sheba in, in this surah, in Surah Namal. It was this humble attitude in the character of Sulaiman Alayhisam that impressed the Queen of Sheba to come to Islam. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that she had demonstrated her uh, skepticism about the kings and powerful people. She said most of them only worry about showing off their power and authority and dis destroying the lands that they conquer. But Sulaiman had given her enough reason in his letter to understand that although he comes from a place of power and wealth and authority, um, you know, and all of these things are but means given to him by Allah. 
to establish the deen and justice and order in the land. So he acknowledged that in his letter to the Queen of Sheba. And so she was highly impressed by his approach to da'wah. Right? But then still, when she came to him, he proceeded to show her some of his power magically. You know, he had her throne transported from Yemen to Jerusalem. Right? This was part of the manifestation of the power that Allah had given him, and he wanted to show it to her. So he used that favor of Allah towards his da'wah, right? And the mirror, like floor that she was walking, like she thought she was walking on water, right? And she was, she was told to enter inside the palace and, and she was lifting up her clothes because she thought it was water. So Sulaiman is cleverly using this to further her conviction in the power of Allah. And she can clearly see that he's not showing off but he's attributing it all back to Allah, right? The lesson we take from this is that da'wah to Allah's deen is not boxed into a neat little package that sits inside of a mosque. Da'wah is literally the way people carry themselves, how they use what they have to show people the truth. And da'wah can be from anyone who carries knowledge and power and position or any favors of Allah, but with humility and reverence before Allah. Right, So it doesn't have to be an imam or a scholar. Any working professional, a professor, an artist, doctors, scientists, homemakers, use what Allah has given you to call people to the deen. Right? A person that is granted the trust of any power or talent or wealth and it does not consume them, rather they temper it and they hold it in a way that shows their humility to Allah. This is the most powerful way of showing people to Islam. Wealth and power in itself is not evil. Sulaiman is a prime example of that, right? But even if we're not in possession of lofty things, you know, to be humble about, just the display of good character is sometimes more than enough. Show people how good a person can become when they follow the teachings of Islam. And then your akhlaq and your manners and your character will do all of the talking for you. So Allah SWT has made, you know, made everything in this world at our disposal, you know, to study, to use, to benefit, and then, you know, use those things for the purpose of making the case for Tawheed. So you present what you have to people in a humble, respectful manner, like Sulaiman al-Islam did, and then you ask, what do you think? Who is better, Allah or the deities that you worship? Is there any God besides Allah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes his own case in front of us in this surah with this very question, right? He keeps asking, isn't Allah the one who created the heavens and the earth? And, you know, he sends down the rain for your gardens to grow. Isn't he the one who guides in the darkness of the sea and land? Isn't he who answers your dua when you're in difficult times? Isn't he the one who provides for you from the sky and the earth? Allah displays his own power in front of us in this surah. And after each claim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeats a rhetorical question. Is there another God besides Allah? Think about it, right? Because it's clear, everything leads us back to Allah. It all comes to pass through the will of Allah, right? So Allah is teaching us how to make our case for, for Allah's deen. This is our job. And that's why we see that, you know, when we end Surah Namal, there's a reminder to the Prophet ﷺ, and by proxy to all of us, that we are commanded to be of those who are Muslim, that we should recite the Quran to people as a means to convey the message of Allah. Yani, if someone feels like they have nothing to offer, right? But the words of the Quran are always there. 
and we are being commanded to recite them for people. And then we leave it up to the people and the will of Allah to guide them, right? And so after that, we move on to Surah Qasas. And by the way, Surah Namal and Qasas and Ankabut, these surahs are all mid-Meccan surahs. And they were all revealed in the order that they are in the Quran. So in Surah Namal, there were hints given to the Prophet ﷺ about the disbelievers of Mecca, um, how they were plotting against the Prophet ﷺ and the companions, just like the previous nations plotted against their prophets. And in ayah number 50, Allah SWT says, they plotted a plan and we too came up with the counter plan. So they planned and Allah planned. Right, And when we study Surah Qasas, we see that the majority of the surah is depicting the story of Musa Islam, in which Allah imparts lessons and consolation to the Prophet of how to deal with these issues that are going to be coming up in Mecca. And as Musa Islam's story is described in detail, you truly see that Allah's plan and Allah's will dominates every plan any human can ever make. And so right off the bat, Allah tells us that Fir'aun, thinking that he's so smart and so powerful, decided to rule this land by dividing and conquering. So basically, Firaun had a dream. Uh, he saw that his death will be at the hands of a man from Bani Israel. So as a person of power and authority, he started to kill off all of the boys from Bani Israel so that he can somehow escape his death. He thought he had the power to do anything, right? And so in order to save himself and to keep himself in power, he had started this mass murder campaign. And, and that was Firaun's plan, right? And while he's making all of this effort to carry out his planning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to that by saying just one word. One word that literally renders his entire plan useless. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَنُرِيدُ And we have willed. We have willed that those people that you're oppressing and killing off, Allah says, we already planned that we will, we will elevate them in the land and we will grace them. We will do it. And that's that. Right. And obviously we see that in hindsight, you know, the rest was history. Subhanallah. And so we continue to see throughout the story of Musa Islam in this surah that Firaun can plan all he wants. And all through it, it was Allah's plan that was actually taking course. So Firaun tried to kill Musa. But Allah planned that the very person that would be the end of Fir'aun according to his dream would actually grow up in his own palace, in the care of his own wife. Allah SWT says Fir'aun's people picked him up from the river. And you usually pick up something that will bring you benefit, right? But it's as if they were driven by Allah to find Musa at the bank of the river. And then Allah SWT put mercy in Asiya radiallahu anha's heart for baby Musa, right? This is the wife of a king. And being the queen, she could have adopted any baby out of all the babies in the land. But Allah planned for it to be Musa And even then, Fir'aun being the murderer that he was, he could have said, no way, I won't allow that. But he ends up not just sparing Musa's life, but raising him as his own in the palace. Little did he know, right? Just goes to show you when the decree of Allah has to happen, no one can stop that. And, and, but on the other side, in ayah number 10, Allah SWT describes the state of Musa salam's mother as she put the baby in the river. Just like he inspired love in the heart of Asiya radiallahu anha, Allah SWT had also strengthened the heart of Musa's mother as she threw the baby in the river. And his mother was not a prophet, but look at how Allah comes to the aid of those who choose to follow his commands. And not only did he strengthen her heart, but he gave her the clarity and the wherewithal at this difficult time to send the sister of Musa to follow the baby. 
And we see how clever the sister is too in how she handled the situation, subhanAllah. And so a strong mother, an intelligent sister, and then growing up in the care and tarbiya of Asiya radiallahu anha. And then we will also see another woman who becomes Musa salam's wife and, and a support system when he needs it the most, right? So subhanAllah, these mentions in the Quran of women stepping up into these difficult and crucial roles, they should be a very inspiring and empowering for us. You know, women have a strong role in making or destroying a society. A sensible woman, through her hikmah and good advice, can bring a lot of goodness for her household and the overall society, right? Uh, and like I said, we will see that in the character of the two women Musa salam will meet in Madian. So the ayat continue to tell us that Musa salam experienced a lot of setbacks and difficulties growing up too. And one of them was that, that you know, an incident that happened when Musa salam um, in Egypt, he ended up accidentally killing a man. And so Allah says, a man from outside the city comes running to warn Musa that the people are planning to kill him because of, of this crime, right? And so he better escape. And so Musa now has to flee Egypt and he goes to the city of Madian. And we see that as he gets there, he's finally resting near a tree. And this is where he sees these two ladies, right? So the two ladies are waiting around a water hole. You know, they're waiting behind a crowd of people watering their flocks. And... So he goes over and he says, what's the problem? What's going on, right? And they reply very straightforwardly. They say, our father is weak and we have to come and water our flock. And we're waiting for everyone to leave. Um, you know, because obviously they didn't want to go into a herd of men pushing and shoving into the crowd. So they tell him that when these men leave, then we'll go and water our sheep. And so Musa Islam sees that he can manage this for them. And so he offers to help. And the moment he gets the job done, Allah SWT informs us that he immediately goes back to where he was sitting. Yani, there was no, you know, is that all you need? Can I help you with something else? Where are you girls coming from? He helped where he could and that's it. You know, and the girls didn't linger around either saying, oh, thank you so much. We don't know what we would have done without you and this and that. None of that conversation took place. Instead, the ladies went on their way and Musa salam comes back and he sits down and we see that immediately he makes a dua to Allah. And he says, oh, my Rabb, surely I am in desperate need of whatever good that you may send down on me. Subhanallah, such a beautiful dua and even more beautiful of a gesture. Look where he sought his help from. And what a powerful lesson for us too, you know. He helped someone and then asked Allah to help him in return. So if we're ever in need of help, we need to start looking for opportunities to help other people and then ask and expect from Allah without the expectation from people. Let the bargain be with Allah, right? Allah mentioned this dua in the Quran for a reason. We need to use it, right? And ask Allah for the fulfillment of our needs. And so subhanAllah, the next ayah says, Soon after Musa made that dua, one of the two women came back to Musa to give him the message from her father that he wants to reward Musa for helping, helping them out. And so if you notice in ayah number 25, Allah says, the girl came to him walking with haya. Subhanallah. We know that there's no word in the Quran that is without purpose. And so Allah purposefully informed us about this specific virtue of this girl. And we've already discussed their demeanor uh, from earlier, right? When Musa had offered to help, they spoke confidently and they communicated in a dignified manner. There was nothing extra, nothing distasteful, or no misleading, misleading inflections in their words or in their tone. Allah himself shared their conversation and he didn't equate having haya with only being shy. 
You know, haya is an entire demeanor. How you carry yourself with dignity and grace. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is praising it so clearly, then we must realize its value in our own decorum, right? And by the way, Musa, uh, we saw that Musa alayhi salam also carried himself with haya, you know, and in a dignified manner. So it's not just for women. It applies comprehensively to our behavior with maintaining social interactions. And so Musa alayhi salam goes to see the father and he gets hired for a job with him. And the father offers one of the daughters in marriage to him as well. And, um, you know, and it was one of the daughters, actually, who advised the father to hire Musa, right? So speaking up and good, giving good advice and voicing your opinion, there's nothing to be shy about that. Haya is not a deterrent in all of these matters. And, and, and then look at the value the father gave to her daughter's advice, too. Subhanallah, the amount of lessons one can derive from just this story alone is incredible, right? So we see that as a result of this dua that Musa salam made, right? Rabbi from this dua, Allah provided him with a righteous family, a secure home, a job, a purposeful life, and later on, even prophethood. Subhanallah. And just look at how Allah plans for us. Musa Islam came to Madian as a refugee, fleeing a crime, no support, no family, and then how Allah subhanahu wa became his ultimate supporter through it all. Right? It was Musa Islam's trust in Allah's plan that carried him through. And yet, the most difficult part of his life hasn't even started yet. SubhanAllah. Now he has to go, you know, back to Egypt and on the way he'll speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he'll be granted prophethood and then he has to go and face Firaun. Right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Musa Islam, don't worry. You go and talk to Firaun with just this stick in your hand, and by the will of Allah, you will be victorious. They will not even be able to touch you. Subhanallah. With all of the power and wealth and authority and an army that Firaun had, Musa salam literally walked in with only his stick and his brother. Two people and a stick overcame everything Firaun was boasting about. Right? Allah's teaching us you cannot override the will of Allah just because you have power or incredible amounts of money and wealth. And that's why we see the mention of Qarun in this surah. Qarun had immeasurable amounts of wealth. Right? Allah mentions that the, just the keys of the doors to his treasury were so heavy that a bunch of men had to lift them up. Imagine how big the lock or the door you know, uh, of the treasury would be and how much treasure it must be inside. But it was this attitude that destroyed Qarun. Right? Just imagine someone who has no faith in Allah, but they have hordes of cash or, or tons of gold, even right now. You know, and, and they thought that it would provide them security forever. You know, someone who has all of this right now, they thought it would be, you know, like in, they're invincible right now. But how much grocery can you buy and stock up right now? Those millions of dollars in our bank account, you can't even leave your house. You can't shop, you can't see anyone, you can't go on vacations. How much are you going to satisfy yourself with that money of yours? It's powerless by the will of Allah, right? Just because of a tiny virus. So Qarun's example is such that he was the complete opposite of Musa alayhi salam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested them both, right? We saw, th- we saw that Musa alayhi salam called out to Allah at every point in his life. Meanwhile, Qarun thought he had so much in this world that he didn't even need Allah. He can do whatever he wants and no one would be uh, would hold him accountable. And so we are told that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped and elevated Musa alayhi through every thick and thin because of his reliance on Allah. And Qarun was buried alive with all of his wealth that did him no good. 
And so as we begin Surah An-Kabut, we see this reality is being reiterated that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put people through trials. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off by saying, do people think that they will be left alone on saying we believe and that they will not be tested? We did test those who have gone before them and Allah has to see who are the truthful and who are the liars. So it should be clear to us that as believers, we will be tested. There is no way around it. And when Allah puts us through a test, it is to further affirm those who put their trust in Allah. And those tests will become a means to drive away those that are weak in their iman. The weaker people will break and fall apart because they refuse to accept that, you know, things didn't go their way and they can't understand that Allah, you know, has a bigger plan for them. So they persist in their misery. Subhanallah, right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states examples of the people of Nuh and Lut and Ad uh, and Shaib that these people were all tested in their own way. And they plotted and planned in order to reject their prophets, but the work of Allah canceled all of their plans. So after the mention of these nations, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala draws a powerful example about those who take helpers other than Allah. The ones who trust and depend on their own strength and their own intelligence and they find fortification in their own planning, they are compared to a spider's web which is inherently fragile and weak and it cannot carry or protect them. Allah SWT says the flimsiest of homes is the one made by a spider. And we know that it doesn't take much, you know, to break a spider's web, right? Yet it seems very elaborate, you know, especially when it's freshly made and you see it in the sunlight. You know, it's glistening and it's intricately woven. It looks very impressive, but it's not enough to offer any real protection. Even for the spider itself, you know, just a gust of wind or a careless hand can completely destroy it. So similarly, those who rely on things other than Allah, it really doesn't take much to ruin these people's lives. Because at the end of the day, who controls those things that they rely on? Those things only work for them when Allah commands them to. But the moment Allah's command is withheld from those things, they become powerless. And subhanAllah, we see this in the story of Musa salam when he goes to speak to Allah on the mountain of Tur. Remember, we were told that Allah subhanAllah questions him, you know, Musa, what's in your hand? And Musa salam says, oh, this, uh, this is a stick. And he starts describing all the ways that he uses it. He says, I lean on it. I shake leaves with it. I use it for my protection. And he's making this conversation with Allah about all the ways his needs are fulfilled by this stick. And Allah subhanAllah says, Musa, throw your stick. And the moment Musa salam throws this stick, it turns into a massive snake. As if Allah SWT wanted to show him that the stick itself means nothing until I give it that meaning. And so Allah SWT turns it into what he describes as thorban or mubin, a giant vicious serpent. Picture the scariest snake you've ever seen. This is not some garden snake we're talking about. It's a terrifyingly scary serpent. And that's why Musa salam runs away without even looking back, right? And then Allah SWT says to him, No, don't run away. Face the snake and grab it, Musa. As if to say, if I can make a harmless stick look scary, then don't worry. I can make that same scary thing harmless again. Trust me. And so when, when Musa salam grabs it, the snake turns back into a stick. So what is this stick? Like Musa was saying to Allah, this stick symbolizes all the things we've become dependent on in our lives. The things we sometimes rely on, right? Sometimes intentionally keeping Allah away from the equation. We rely on people, 
they'll be there for us when we're in trouble or our careers. We think our savings will help us when our, in our problems, right? Our intelligence, our reputation, our phones, our computers. We rely on doctors and medicine and vaccines, right? This is what everyone's waiting for right now. Someone to discover a cure for COVID-19 because we know that if Allah sends a disease, then he also sends a cure for it too. So we know that the cure exists. At the moment, Allah has given power to the virus over everything else. But the moment Allah passes his command through a medical discovery, it'll become more powerful against this virus. And that's it. That's all it will take. But Allah is showing us right now that everything is powerless and meaningless until Allah gives it that meaning and power. A stick can be a means of livelihood and life for Musa and Bani Israel, and that same stick can be a disaster for Fir'aun, depending on the will that Allah grants it. So the minute Allah subdues this virus, inshallah, will be the minute that this, this scary time will be over, right? It's up to Allah. Allah created everything, He owns it, and He absolutely controls it. So who should we be begging for help right now? Who should we be relying on? Allah, there's no way around it. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. No truer words than that, right? It started from Allah and it, it'll all go back to Allah. And, you know, as we learned from Musa salam, we can't run away from it. We have to face it. And that's why Allah SWT says in ayah number 57 that every soul shall taste death. Then to us you shall all return. We're all traveling back to Allah. Every minute that passes by, our cells are dying. So we are constantly experiencing death every moment on us and around us. And we're inevitably moving towards Allah. So the smart thing would be to keep Allah always in mind, right? So the next time, even if your hair falls, know that the meeting with Allah is near. We're all inching towards Him. Right? And we're going to be facing him sooner or later. And subhanAllah, at the end of Surah An Kabut, Allah says, As for those who strive in our cause, we will surely guide them to our ways. Surely Allah is with the righteous. How good it is to be a believer. Alhamdulillah, right? Allah SWT says, as long as we are striving and living our lives, keeping Allah in mind to the best of our abilities, Allah will make things work in our favor. Allah will put them at our service. And Allah will make things less scary. And not just that, but Allah is telling us that if we make Allah our priority, if we put our trust in Him, if we turn to Him for everything, then forget about the things of this world. Allah Himself will become our companion. Subhanallah. You know, these days of isolation seems as though we're suffering from the disconnection from the world. But these are the moments that we can use to focus on a different kind of connection. The one which Allah has always been eager to make with us. But we have all been so distracted by everything else to pay attention. And so Allah SWT reminds us here that if we just make the effort, then in Allah will absolutely be by our side. In this dunya, and the next, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us among the muhsineen. Ameen. Any mistakes that I made were mine. And all good is attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this was my last session with you all. And our next speaker is Sister Farhana Burney, who is from Dallas, Texas. She's been part of ICNA for more than 20 years. And she's also part of the Embrace National Core team. And she'll be with you for the next five juz, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us and continue to grant us tawfiq to benefit ourselves and others through the ayat of this glorious Qur'an. Ameen. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.